and welcome to episode 38 of Friends of the Show. I am Stephen W. Skinner, and this is the podcast where I talk with some of the nice folks who I've connected with through Twitter. They are the Friends of the Show. This week's friend is Ben at Benicus underscore Rex, a very nice and thoughtful fellow. Ben shares stories of his adopted animal family and goes deep on some theories from his PhD dissertation about robots. You'll be glad to hear we answer some questions submitted by our listeners. So thank you, question submitters. Engage audio receptors. It's Friends of the Show. Episode 38. With at Benicus underscore Rex. Therefore, we now ask you, the actors of our time, a time of changes and of boundless mastery of all nature, even men's own, at last to change yourselves and show us mankind's world as it really is, made by men and open to their improvements. Bertolt Brecht. Bertold Brecht from his Address to Danish Working Class Actors, I believe. <laughs> what a great quote. <laughs> it is a great quote. Thank you. So welcome. That is exactly what it's from. You're right. That I'm is exactly sure what it's from. That, I just know these things because I'm incredibly intelligent. So <laughs> thanks for that great quote. And welcome to the podcast, Ben. Thank you for having me, Stephen. All right. Now, for the listeners, Ben is a very nice and fun Twitter cat whom love being online. And Ben really loves animals and is incredibly smart, judging by the PhD and the dissertation that I tried to read that he sent to me. He's also great at captions uh, for pictures and GIFs. A lot of his tweets are fun pictures with awesome captions. And I'm very lucky to have him join me for this special morning episode of Friends of the Show. So welcome again, Ben at Benicus underscore Rex. Well, thank you for having me, Stephen. Uh, And you point out, two things that it's a morning podcast and that I love animals. Part of the reason I scheduled it for when I did is because there's three dogs in the house and uh, they go out at specific times. And so I wanted to make sure to schedule the podcast in between them going out in the morning and going out in the afternoon so that they wouldn't come and interrupt me during the podcast. I really so, uh, appreciate so, that, Ben. And yeah. I'm sure the animals appreciate it too, working around their schedule and mine so yeah i appreciate that and yeah love animals we're both fans of animals so you have three dogs in the house let's get into it yeah so um one of the dogs his name is stan stan is um of the three dogs he's probably the most popular one on twitter people (laughs) uh people love stan he has a certain charm about him okay he's a shih tzu and like when I say he's got a certain charm, I mean, you got to understand to look at this dog. He's like not conventionally cute. <laughs> okay. um, he's like got he's a... got these bow legs and these like giant bug eyes and like this massive underbite. And so like his top lip will sometimes get caught. Oh, and yeah. he's got, so like his bottom teeth will just be jutting out and like his bottom, his, his top lip gets caught on that. And he just like looks at you with this like weird crooked teeth grin and his bug eyes. But that is why he is so lovely. He's endearing with his right. unique looks. He's like a character his, actor of dogs. <laughs> exactly. And so Stan is really great. He was a he was a rescue from a shelter. Well, that's great. Um, and Stan, of course, has a very charming story. He was formerly, we presume anyway, abu- formerly abused by his <sighs> previous owner. Hate to hear that. Um, the shelter doesn't. I mean, we don't know for sure because the shelter found him like they just found him on the street. All right. And so but his behavior indicated that he was probably not treated particularly well. That's not good. So he's a a little bit apprehensive or he was a bit. Well, he was at first, but um, he has come around. That's great. You're fixing him, working on it. He still has moments. Um, I took him to the groomer uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm hmm. And like when he was finished, he just would not come out of his cage. And the groomer like they had to have me come get it because he was like growling at 
at uh, anyone else who was trying to get him out of the cage. Yeah. So every once in a while, he'll like have these moments where he's nervous or scared uh, around strangers. Well, but, sometimes I'm like that after a haircut too. I recently got a haircut and it wasn't great, and I was just, uh, I felt like staying in my cage as well. <laughs> but you know, we got to get out there and fix it, fix the haircut. So I, I can understand where Stan was coming from on that one. I'm also extremely apprehensive uh, around strangers, so I totally get it. <laughs> it's a good match. <laughs> well, so I, I I tweeted this out one time, but um, I and this is a true story from my life. I went to go. I, I was at a, the barber one time, and if you've seen pictures of me that I have posted on the internet, you may be shocked to wonder why I go to a barber because my hair is really short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you keep it, really, by keep really it, short, I mean I'm bald. No, you, you keep it at a nice short level. Easy to maintain, yes. I say. Yes. So every once in a while, I just don't feel like doing it myself. So, you know, I go to a barber. And oh, anyway, you... so I'm at the barber. <laughs> and he's, you know, shaving my head or whatever. And he's making small talk, which is always just totally awkward. I never do. I close my eyes and, and try to hope that they don't talk to me. <laughs> that sounds bad, but, you know, it's, it's my MO for haircuts. I'm about the same way. Just like I, my sister mentioned that she wants to start like, like a hair salon where you, I, I don't remember like all the details, but basically like you, you fill out a card or something at the beginning. That's like, yes, you can talk to me or please do not talk to me. Something like that to like, let them know ahead of time. That yeah. Just rather not engage. I think it's like some um, taxis have that or whatever. <laughs> so he um so the barber he's he's like shaving my head and he he asks me you know he's asking about my life you know are you married no uh do you have any kids and i said um i don't know as in i don't comma (laughs) no yeah not not i don't know Right. But then the barber, he, he stopped asking me questions after that. He just got like really, really quiet. And I was like, oh, OK, well, that's the end of the conversation. And then I didn't realize till I left and I was driving home. I was like, oh, he, he thought. I, yeah, he thought you were just like shutting the conversation down right. with like a, a weird answer. It's yeah. Like, like, I don't know. I don't know. Right. And don't so ask I'm me like, about things. <laughs> So I so point is uh, I understand being apprehensive around strangers because I too uh, am a really awkward person. All right, well, great, um, and shout out to Stan. Who else we got on the line on the cards? So there's Sapphire. She is a purebred golden retriever. She was a guide dog in training who did not flunk, uh, flunked pass. Out. <laughs> flunked out. Uh, yeah, she flunked out. Um, That's okay. She's got some, like, anxiety issues. Right. I mean, that's really hard anyway, right? Like, that whole becoming a guide dog thing, that's pretty intense. Right. It's, like, it's got, like, a like a 50% okay. pass-fail. I mean, I, I'm not sure the exact, the exact statistics, but last I heard, it was something along those lines. Right. A lot of dogs just don't make it. Yeah, you don't have um, the, the stuff that it takes. It's It's a lot. Right. And so... She is she's a golden retriever. Um, she's beautiful. It's interesting to look at her and stand together because Sapphire is like conventionally beautiful when you think of like the way in which we might call dogs conventionally beautiful. Mm-hmm. She uh, could be in a one of those golden retriever calendars that you see. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and, and Stan, you know, is like a little gremlin, but uh, you know uh, that he 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 really grows on you. And so Sapphire, she's. Uh, like I said, she's got anxiety. She likes to dig. And oh, yeah. so in the backyard, <laughs> so you have to give her plenty of attention, play fetch, uh, take her for walks, things like that. So that she, uh, gets the attention that she needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Tanyan, which is short for D'Artagnan. Okay. I was like, that's a cool name, but also yeah. still a cool name. <laughs> he's a, he's also a rescue, but he's a, um, Pitbull, Golden Retriever mix. Well, that's a wild mix. Yes. And he is a very strong, very muscular dog. <laughs> yeah, he gets very, that very from the Pitbull side. <laughs> yeah. And interestingly, of the three dogs, he's the one who gets along with the cat the best. All right. That's interesting. Because I guess when he was a, when he was a puppy, um, he grew up around a cat. Oh, that's important. I agree. So he's perfectly comfortable with uh, my cat, who I only recently 
Scott, actually. And his name is Odin. Okay. Um, and he's sitting behind me right now, licking his arms. Shout out to Odin. <laughs> yeah. So um, he's great. He, I guess my brother and his wife were looking for a home. And one of the houses they checked out, the owners had this cat. And the place they were moving to, they couldn't keep the cat. And so um, they noticed that my brother seemed to really bond with it. So they asked them if they wanted the cat. And my brother and his wife were like, well, I mean, uh, you know, we got a kid on the way. Money might be tight. So um, they asked me if I wanted it. And, of course, the answer is yes. <laughs> you can't say no. You're so. clearly, yeah, you're like Ace Ventura, pet detective. You open the door. All the animal friends come to you. You love them. Exactly. Yeah, you can't say no. So that's the lineup. We got Stan, we got Sapphire, we got Tanyan, and we got Odin. That's that's the whole list? That's them, yep. That is a full house. So how are the other dogs with the cat? They chase them around or um, they like keep their distance? They, I think, initially when I first got the cat, they were very curious. Like extremely curious. Um, and they would try to chase him. And so I had to keep a gate up to keep them separated. But it's been long enough now that the gate is now I only put the gate uh, to bar the dogs away from the litter box and the cat food. Okay. And so they're comfortable enough around each other that there's freedom. I think the dogs want to play with the cat. Right. Yeah. Um, They don't get it. That cat is not this doesn't play the same way. (laughs) Right. In fact, just the other day I was playing like I've got this string toy and I was playing the string toy with the cat. And uh, the cat's super into it. And the dogs had no idea what's going on. They clearly were like, play time is happening and we want in. But we don't understand what the game is or what the rules are. So first Stan comes over to the cat and tries to like indicate that he wants to wrestle. Like not in an aggressive way, but in like a, in like a, a, a playful dog sort of way. Mm-hmm. Cat was not having it. Just gave him a little <laughs> smack across the face. Yep. N- not with his claws out. Just uh, like a, just a paw. Please leave me alone. So Stan walks away. So then Sapphire's like, maybe I'll try. So Sapphire starts doing that thing that dogs do where, you know, they get down with their two front paws and their back paws are up. Right. They were like like indicating that they want to play. And Mm -hmm. so he's trying to be like, hey, cat, let's run and chase each other. Giving all the body language. The cat just looks at the dog. The dog runs over to the cat to see if the cat will run. And the cat just smacks Sapphire across the face. <laughs> and so Sapphire's like, okay, well, I guess we're not playing with the cat. And they never have since. But I'm sure they'll grow, you know, like the space will get better and they'll start sharing it better. And once they just get used to each other more, I think. I face Right. They all sleep on my bed. I mean, it's not that the cat hates the dogs. The cat just wants to be left alone. Yeah. Gener- classic cat, right? <laughs> right. All right. Well, that sounds great. Sounds like you got a great <laughs> setup over there. A lot of fun animal time happening all day, every day. So lovely. Thank you for sharing your animal family with us. Oh, yes. Uh, you're very welcome. All right. And there's plenty of pictures of them on my Twitter. So if everybody you're to know what they look like. Check it out. And maybe I'll, check post, out my media page. I'll post some in the uh, show notes as well. Go check these guys out. So now let's get into your story. And the story that Ben has provided for us is called The Challenge Meal. <laughs> okay. So I always have a really hard time when someone asks, tell us a story from your life, just like coming up with something. I will say that this is the first story that like popped into my head as a story that I would, uh, as a story to tell. Um, I'm not sure it's the greatest story from my life, but it's something that has stuck with me for like a really long time. This is so a I was, this <laughs> years ago. This was, uh, I mean, this had to be like, like 16 years ago. I mean, it was like a long time ago. Talking early um, 2000s, everyone. Yes. Uh, I think it might have actually been the year 2000, in fact. The year 2000. Um, so my... My friends and I have been talking about this place called I mean this is really the name of the burger joint. It's called Fuddruckers. Yeah. Great name. Um I think I don't think it's I don't think it's a national chain. Like I think it might just be regional. And in fact, I'm not even sure that Fuddruckers still even exists here. I haven't checked. Buddy, but I'm looking it up and Fuddruckers is even in Ontario. It's in Canada. Oh wow. 
I have heard that like in Florida, they've got a place called Fud Puckers. <laughs> oh, rip off. I don't know if it's like the same company, sort of like how Carl's Jr. and Hardee's are like the same company. Oh, yeah. Tricky. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, so Fuddruckers. And they wanted to go to this place because they have this. Because um, they have the greatest burger? Well, <laughs> no. World's in greatest fact, hamburgers. Taste, in fact, <laughs> their burgers say. taste like soap. They oh, were just dang. False advertising. Um, but what they do have is this thing called the challenge meal. And um, if Americans are good at anything, it's overeating. So the challenge meal, it costs like $18. And, and, and this was, you know, early 2000s money, right? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> Before inflation. Talking like a really expensive meal. $18 for this challenge meal. And what it was was a one-pound patty. Not a one-pound burger. Right. Just the, the patty itself is one pound. And then this giant bun. And then there were only like really specific burgers you could get with it because they didn't want you to just get the patty and the bun. Yeah, you had to have more. Like so there were like the one that I got was like a mushroom Swiss bacon. Something. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then a large order of chili cheese fries and a large drink. Do you have to and have the drink? You, <laughs> Do you have to finish the drink? You have to finish. Yeah, you got to finish everything. No, it's also a large Sunday and a large drink. That's oh, right. Sunday! So large Sunday, <laughs> large order of chili cheese fries, huge burger, one pound patty. I mean, this thing is massive. And if you can finish all of it in one sitting without going to the bathroom, then you get your picture on the wall and uh, a T-shirt. Yes. If uh, the listeners uh, listened to the episode with Brandon at La Bear Girdle, he also had a story about a challenge meal where you get a t-shirt. So I guess it's a pretty common thing. Did he succeed? He did. I mean, no, listen to the episode. Everybody oh. go back and listen to the episode. No, but he did. Okay. He got right. the t-shirt, but he, he says on the episode that it was not worth it. <laughs> well, that was okay. I, I will say the point of the story isn't that I succeeded because I didn't. I actually failed. And that's not that's not the super interesting part. I mean, and I will say I shouldn't have even tried. I mean, I didn't I didn't eat anything for the entire next day. Oh, wow. like because I just was I just felt for it. What about like, leading up to time, it? Like, walking to my car afterwards because I just felt. What, what did you did you like? Did you fast before <laughs> leading up well, to it or did you just like? Eh. So I I. I ate some leading up to it because I didn't want to like I felt like if I didn't eat anything, then it would have been my stomach would have like, you know, shrunk or whatever. I, right, I don't know. OK, the, yeah. You know, uh, the science behind well, different theories uh, about that. <laughs> yeah. But um, I felt like if I didn't eat anything, you know, leading up to it, then I wouldn't be able to eat as much. So I ate like some mm -hmm. like little teeny just sort of bits throughout the day, like little crackers and stuff just to prep myself. I get it. Keep those stomach juices flowing. And I, I will say I didn't like I mean, I didn't even come close. I finished I think I finished the chili cheese fries and maybe half the burger. And well, that was it. And well, that alone, like I already was feeling like this. What was your methodology? Were you were you like a bite of chili cheese fries, a bite of the burger or you like finish the chili cheese fries, start on the burger? I did the chili cheese fries first. I so I had this. I've got this weird habit that I got from my dad. So my dad growing up, like whenever we would have like a burger and fries, for whatever reason, he would always eat his fries first and then his burger. And, and, and he, he explained to me his reasoning. And I actually think it's sound reasoning, which is that the fries get cold faster. Okay. Yeah, true. And like your burger is, you know, wrapped in its little wrapping. It's going to be fine. It'll it'll retain its heat longer. But if you wait to eat the fries, then they'll be cold. So you eat the fries first while they're still warm. Still warm. Then you eat the burger. And so I've had that. That's like a habit that I have have picked up. So I just like had to eat the fries first. I mean, it's just that's your mo for exactly, burgers and fries. Exactly. Yeah. I've been you know I've been doing it since I was a kid. So so I ate the fries first. Then I went for the burger. And uh, I, I again I I couldn't get like halfway through. So but the the point of the story and the reason this has always stuck with me is because I was I mean 
we came there fairly late anyway, and they were like closing up and putting the, you know, wiping down the tables, putting the chairs up. I was like, me and my friend were the last two people in the restaurant. And so the waitress was coming over and was talking to us. And she told us a story about a guy who had come in the week before to do the challenge meal. So, so really my story is about someone else's story. All right. But it's with this story within a story, the inception um, of this story. So she said that this guy comes in to try the challenge meal. And, and again, you've got to finish the entire thing and you can't – you have to do it in one sitting. And one sitting means you cannot get up and go to the bathroom. Yes. Because you could go to the bathroom and, and vomit or something mm -hmm. and, and come back and finish it and that would be cheating. So you've got to do it in one sitting. So this guy comes in. He's working on the challenge meal. He finishes everything except one bite of his burger. And this is it. Once he finishes that bite of his burger, he's done. So, but you can tell he's like <laughs> in pain, having a rough time, right? He's clearly in pain. So he, he, he puts the burger in his mouth. He starts chewing and you, you just like see it. He's going to hurl. So mm -hmm. he like, he grabs his, so he's, he starts to throw up and he grabs his cup, throws up into the cup okay. and then drinks it. No. Well, so he completed the challenge. So he got his picture on the wall and a t-shirt. At what cost, Ben? At, at great what cost. cost? <laughs> oh. So, so that's that. Uh, anyway, that was the first story that came to my mind when you said tell a story. It, it's always stuck with me. Uh, is this this image of this, and really just a mental image because I didn't see it myself, but of this man who wanted this free t-shirt so badly, he drank his own vomit. And the picture, right? You're a uh, and, picture and on the, the picture. wall. Like that's celebrity. That's celebrity level shit. That's true. <laughs> um, I, I, I wish I had asked her to point out the the picture gotta, so that I could yeah. still go to Fuddruckers <laughs> today to see if it's this still is up the there. guy. Wow. Well, what a crazy story. I did not expect that to come. Second story come out of nowhere. But thank you for sharing that with us. So. The, ever gonna go back to Fuddrucker? <laughs> you don't have to get the challenge meal. Well, so I haven't been back since for two reasons. One, of course, because I was being like eating that much food, like feeling that full was just such an unpleasant experience mm -hmm. that I just like associate Fuddruckers with that. Yeah, I get it. Um, another reason is that uh, I thought the burgers were disgusting. I mean, I thought it tasted like soap. Like, dish soap <laughs> okay definitely like a, a something soapy about it like dirty dish soap yeah there was some it was just it was horrid all right and well, then I, the third I reason is i've actually recently uh as of the new year uh, gone vegetarian so oh, congratulations on your healthy choice um how's it going so i <laughs> so i will not be getting a burger at Butter Rockers well that's her. great you know do you feel better about being vegetarian well I, I will say the primary reason I did it wasn't for health reasons. I'm not convinced I'm necessarily eating any better than I was before. The primary reason is mostly that uh, the meat industry is... Yeah, it's bad. Really you just cool. love animals too much, like, Ben. Exactly. And so I was like, well, I, it's hard to sort of reconcile. Like, I'll take Stan on walks and there's these... Um, I live in a very, fairly rural area. And so when I, I'll, I'll take like Stan out on a walk. And Stan loves to visit the cows and the horses that live nearby. Yes. And so it's just I, I just find it sort of hard to reconcile like, oh, hey, let's go visit these animals who then come up to you and like lick your hand and they want to get pet and then like to then, you know, eat them. You know eat what I their mean? cousin or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand. Well, I, I applaud your moral stance better than what I can uh, claim to. <laughs> like, I love animals. But still eating chicken and beef over here. Jeez. Well, look, it. I mean, meat is incredibly tasty. I got a. There's a local burrito place that I went to yesterday, and I typically will get the like sweet pork burrito mm -hmm. there. And and I went there yesterday, and I got just the vegetarian one, which is just extra rice and beans and free guac. Free guac. And it was, That's okay. Yeah, and it was tasty. I mean, it was fine, but like. There's certainly like a texture and like a taste that's missing. Yeah. Uh, and so like I, 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 I mean, I totally get it. Meat's delicious. All right. Well, I, uh, like I said, I applaud your decision to stay strong for the animals. 
It, it, hey, every little bit helps because I'm over here eating meat, but every, you know, burger off the table can help in some way, right? Uh, that's, that's, yes. That's yes. the key. I agree. All right. Well, thank you very much. And now we get into talking Twitter. So, how long you been on Twitter? Okay. So, <laughs> if you go to my Twitter page, it's going to say joined and like, it tells you when they joined, right? Oh, does it? Let me see. It's going to say like. <laughs> you just cut this question right out. I could just research this myself. <laughs> joined. Yeah. Joined September 2015. Mm, but except that's gonna, that's not correct. Misleading. It is misleading because um, this is actually my third Twitter account. Your third, you say? Not even my your third, second. <laughs> yeah, my third Twitter account. My my first Twitter account. I got on sort of for fun, just to see what this Twitter thing was all about. I think I maybe had twenty followers, and this was back in twenty twelve. So yes. 2012. And then I going. just deleted. I was like, uh, whatever, this is dumb. Yeah. A couple months later, I was like, you know, maybe that Twitter thing was fun. I'll give it another shot. So I had to make a new account because after you delete your account, like after a month or something, it's gone forever. Okay. So I made a new account. Uh, actually, like made some friends, like people that I'm still friends with on Twitter. And I started to have like a lot of fun. And then for multiple reasons, I wound up deleting that one again. <laughs> okay. then, but how how long did came, it take this time before you delete? It was like a year. <laughs> was like, I think it was like six months. Okay. Again. Yeah. Like, yeah. Something like that. And then, then I came back. And so this is my third account. So the third and time so it's I joined <laughs> September, 2015, third time's the charm. And, uh, I, I think on my last account, I had maybe 400 followers. All right. Okay. And so now I, I'm over 2,000 on this one. So I feel like if I delete this one and come back, then <laughs> yeah. I'll You'll like hit this that is, 10k. So mark. anyone listening, the secret to Twitter is just delete your account and then make a new one. Start and then again. delete that account and make a new one. And before you know it, you're Twitter famous. It's the organic growth method. Right. Right. It, there, it's it's a flaw proof. The logic is flawless. <laughs> it, it will work for anyone. The sample size is one, but. All right, so how'd you choose your handle? Which I repeat to the listeners is Benicus underscore Rex. Um, okay, well, <laughs> so first off, just a quick funny story about uh, underscores. It has nothing to do with this underscore, it's just underscores generally. This is, again, a story from like the late 90s, early 2000s. I was still in high school. Uh, I hope I'm not, you know, dating myself too much here. So. <laughs> I I did marching band in high school, like all of the popular cool kids do. Awesome. Now this is getting interesting. And um, we were doing a field show up uh, somewhere up north, like two hours north. And a girl who had just graduated was now in college there. And she was in marching band there. And she came over to like say hi to us because, you know, it's your old marching band buddies. And I was like, (laughs) hey, let's keep in touch. And she was like, okay. And this was like before social media, before AIM. This was back when the way that everybody, I mean, I guess AIM might have existed. Anyway, the point is the way people kept in touch back then was email. Like that was like the cool hip way to like keep in touch with your friends. So I needed her email address. So she was like, well, my email address is, you know, cool (laughs) underscore Betsy, whatever, whatever it was. I just remember there was an underscore in it. And I was like, okay. All right, cool. Cool underscore Betsy at, you know, hotmail.com or, you know, whatever. I was like, all right, I will add you and send you an email. So I go to, <laughs> so I go to send her an email and I type out cool. And then I type out <laughs> U-N-D-E-R-S-C-O-R-E, <laughs> you know, Betsy at hotmail.com. And I send it and it's like, this is not a real email address. I was like, what? This is the email address you do? <laughs> Bounce back. So I didn't know what an underscore was i was just like okay underscore that's an interesting word to put in your email but i'll i'll roll with it so so yes uh so you learned the hard uh, way what i learned the hard way what an underscore and it's Um, been stuck with you ever since it has so my a good friend of mine he always used to call me benicus rex and i think i think it was because it sounded like oedipus rex yeah or or like a you know 
like a dinosaur or whatever, but I think it was because it sounded like Oedipus Rex, so he called me Benicus Rex. Now, I don't think he had read Oedipus Rex. I definitely hadn't at the time. <laughs> um, so I was just like, oh, Benicus Rex. I'll, I'll, uh, that's cool. I'm going to use that for everything. So I've basically been using that for like yeah, practically every non-professional sort of login name right. uh, for years well, um, shout out to that friend so yeah he 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 gave he gave me that name it's not something that i chose it just it it chose me right very I cool think, i think if i had had read oedipus rex at the time <laughs> he might have uh, uh i was sort of like a, a, aware of uh oedipus's um, predilection yes, or whatever predilections or right the i story. probably would have would have gone with something else um but i but i like benicus rex it's got a nice ring to it very cool all right so what is your fondest memory of something that's happened on twitter okay just last night for instance here's a fun fond memory so i tweeted out i was like hey you know two of my favorite friends on here are Warm yellow light and uh, walrus lifestyle, you know, and if you're not following them, you should because their tweets are great and they're fun to interact with. And so they like start chiming in with some fun interactions and I send a fun gif and like other people who also follow us started joining the conversation. And and I just find those sorts of fun, silly interactions to be really fun and nice. And, yeah. and really ultimately like the reason I stay on Twitter is the jokes are fun, but like having friends and interacting with them is like really nice. Ben, you and got so, that right. That's 100% the real fun of Twitter. Right. I, I, I agree. So it was just like it's not it's not really anything big. It's not a big deal. It was just like a fun little interaction that just sort of happened spontaneously among Twitter friends that I like spending time with on Twitter. Oh, great. So, yeah, that's Um, that's something that that you like. Right. And I think that's that's a regular enough occurrence that ultimately, again, like I said, uh, the, the biggest reason I think to stay is that Twitter is a fun place to make friends. Yeah, it's a social media. Right. Right. I, I agree. And I, I like interacting with my friends on Twitter. Great. Well, shout out to those accounts. I believe I follow them. They're great. All right. Now, the next question is, have you had any memorable interaction with a celebrity or brand? <sighs> and it's okay if you haven't. Not everybody at Replies Shack or whatever. You don't have to. But sometimes it's interesting. I don't. So I think I used to just for fun try to like this was back in like again, the 2012 days mm-hmm. where Xbox support would respond to everybody. Okay. <laughs> and so I used to always, you know, at Xbox support, help <laughs> my uh, gopher is crawling out of my Xbox. What yeah. do I do? <laughs> or, you know, something and they'd respond like, I just, you know, something stupid. That's fine. Uh, I think that counts. <laughs> sure. Sure. That might count. Uh, I posted a picture of my dogs once, Tanyan and Stan, and it was just a fun little pick, but it wound up getting uh, what's what's his name, who plays Ron Swanson? What's oh, that actor's um, name? Yes, I should uh, know that person's uh, name married to Megan Mullally, but I can't right. think. I've gotta, hang on, I can only ever that. think of Ron Swanson. <laughs> Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. Right. I guess he he retweeted it, so that's probably like the biggest. That's great. That's ever like, and yeah, that's a good yeah. one. I mean, that's a great one. He's great uh, and a great woodworker. Everyone go buy a piece of his woodworking business or whatever. Um, yeah, so it's one of my top tweets because uh, a celebrity retweeted it. That's so. what we're looking for. All right. So now I ask you, what would be your dream follow back? So this is someone that you currently follow who you'd love a follow back. Um, <laughs> that I currently follow. Yeah. That I would like to follow me back. Well, I... Okay, let's say the Katsu account then. Katsu. Katsu. What was that? Um, that? It's uh, They're like to the account that posts cat pictures. Okay, very good. <laughs> that are like, tend to be really, really great. And, and what I like about them is they've got this automated bot set up where if you write at Katsu space cat and then tweet that, they'll like... The, the account will send you just a random cat picture. 
Oh, that's cool. Hey, listeners, something for you to do right now. <laughs> it's great. It's great fun. Um, and I think it refreshes. I think they said once a minute or something. So you can't do it like. Right. You can't do it a million times. You can't spam it. But it's it's fun to do. And every once in a while when I'm like, I want a cat picture, I just at Katsu Cat and I get uh, I get my cool cat picture. That's it's great. great fun. Yeah, They're those uh, some of those bots are pretty fun where you can uh, interact with them and. It's just a robot, but it's still fun. Robots, we'll get into it later. That's a tease, listeners. <laughs> All right, now the final question from my talking Twitter segment is: What would be your ultimate dream follow back? Now I'm talking any person, real or fictional, living or dead. Who would you want to follow you on Twitter? So real or fictional, living this or dead, like if they were alive today and had a Twitter spectrum. Account? Yeah. Well, they don't have to. Ha- yeah. In this scenario, they have one. So in this scenario, okay, they they have a Twitter account. Let's say, uh, oh man, real or fictional? There's so many. There's literally billions of options. Right. There's, uh, there are a lot of options. <laughs> um, oh boy. Um, First thing that comes to mind. Uh, let's say, let's say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the first thing that came to mind, I guess, was I was like, well, uh, <laughs> even if this sounds uh, sort of cheesy, I would say if Jesus were alive today. Okay, see, that's a, a great one. Yeah. See, that's a great right, one. because it's like, because people are going to be like, I wonder who Jesus follows, because that'd be like a big deal, right? And they huge. go to check Jesus's page yeah. and see like, oh, he follows Benicus Rex. He must be a cool guy. We should, we should, we should follow him. It'd also be funny if he only really had 12 followers or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so yeah, I feel like if that, that would just be like, and what uh, would Jesus's account be? It would just be all like, you know, quote tweets of inspirational <laughs> pictures or something. Right. Or, you know, uh, uh, come on, come on down to, you know, where, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> I'll be Galilee speaking at yeah. free bread from nine to, to, to yeah. 12. There will be wine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's so. a great pick. So thank you for answering all of my Twitter questions. And now we get into the tweets. So you have selected a tweet of your own. And it isn't your most popular, but it is your second most popular. So is your most popular that uh, the Ron Swanson retweet? No, no. My most popular is a political tweet. It was, it was after, I believe it was Jason Chaffetz had said like, if you want health insurance, you gotta stop buying iPhones or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really, just sort of like tone deaf, kind of. Um, yeah, real dumb. You want to buy a house? To, stop to, buying to avocado poverty, toast. <laughs> lack of insurance, right? Yeah. Things like that. And so the tweet is something like, "Hey, so I see you got chemo that costs two hundred thousand dollars. Sounds like what you need is to cancel your Netflix subscription." <laughs> right. Um, it was just like a timely political tweet that, mm-hmm. uh, struck a chord. Right. I mean, I'm sure if I tweeted the same thing right now, I'd get like five likes. Right. It was a zeitgeist <laughs> moment. Exactly. All right. So the first tweet that you have shared with us is like your, many of your tweets are a GIF with a great caption. So I think we should describe what the GIF is. <laughs> it's a cat in a truck wearing a hat and he's like looking at the camera and then in, in like a slow, sad motion, sort of like turns away and his face is reflected in the side mirror. And it's just a great tweet, a uh, great gif. Uh, but the, the caption is what really sells it. So the caption that you've written is, when you write a good tweet and you wait for the faves, but they don't come. So it's just, <laughs> if you read that caption, watch the gif. It's just like the perfect pairing of the sad cat. He's just so like sad. And he turns I'm away. laughing not not at my own tweet, but at your at your your voice, <laughs> right. the, the the tweet reading voice, tweet read it's, voice. That's correct. It's good. It's my good voice. radio voice. So <laughs> that's a great tweet. One of the best. I've retweeted it countless times. It's so good. Whenever I come upon that, I uh, I have to put it back in the TL. So thank you for selecting that one. And now my pick of Ben's tweet is this. If you ask a police dog if he's a good boy, legally he has to tell you. <laughs> Classic. Have you ever tried that? <laughs> uh, I I have 
I have not. So, so I haven't, I haven't tried talking to a police dog. All right. So thank you. Those are great tweets and everyone should be following at Benicus underscore Rex. And that is the actual underscore symbol, not the word underscore (laughs) in case you're following along. And now we get into your picks from others. And would you like to read one of these? Um, you don't have to. I'll do it. Yes, let me pull them. Let me pull them up. So, um, okay. So this one is from, hey, and it's as long as we're talking about the underscore versus writing out the underscore. This is from <laughs> Flora underscore underscore Flora, and that's the that's the at, but she's written out her display name as Flora, Flora underscore underscore, underscore, underscore uh, Flora. Flora. So this is a person that you should absolutely Oh yeah, she's great. If you're not. I mean, real fun. Really just one of the best accounts. Just fun and silly stuff all the time. So the tweet is uh you know how in a box of chocolates there's always one disgusting one? That was my idea. I came up <laughs> with that. Put a gross one in there, I said. <laughs> Flora again, <laughs> the great tweet. Uh, and and I picked that one because, uh, I mean, it it's it's not only just like a great. She's got a a a voice that's so, like her Twitter voice is very just specific. a delightful yeah. voice. It's very specific. Like you sort of always know when it's a Flora Flora tweet. Like it's and it's a, just a delightful voice. Like the things that she writes are just so absurd but also this one i find is not only just sort of absurd and silly but relatable exactly like, it's because that i line <laughs> like literally every single time i open up a box of chocolates and have a chocolate i think about that tweet because there always is yeah i mean first one you never know what you're gonna get and then but you do know that you are gonna get a gross one <laughs> right it's like it's inevitable it's inevitable um, it's one of those things of life yeah well, great selection, and uh, I'll hit I'll hit us with the second tweet that you have selected. It is from the aforementioned at Walrus Lifestyle, and the tweet is: "My cardigans runs back into burning building <laughs> because the cardigans <laughs> going to save those cardies." Right, um, and I I love the just the like absurdist simplicity about it. Like it's such a so I think so often like. You know, so-called weird Twitter. Um, I'm not convinced that's an app descriptor. This, you know, it often tweets out sort of like weird or like absurdist scenarios. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times those scenarios are like long and complex scenarios. And I, and I love the just like absurd simplicity of this particular scenario. There's like this this entire world contained in just a few words. That's perfect. Um, and I, I also... I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I also like the, the super simple or shorter ones. If you can pack a, a absurd or a punch into like less than I don't know, 10 or 15 words, then that's what, that's what I really love. Because that's sort of the original MO of Twitter. Keep it succinct, keep it tight, keep it light. Right. I, I agree. Um, I, I think that 280 characters is Should a, shame <laughs> unwise decision because it's, it's not what the medium's about No, Right. Or like this addition of like making threads easier to see, like, I mean, the algorithm, I'm just not like Twitter is best as a short form narrative or like it. a short form, like art form. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it so used to force you to art form. But, but I found that like when I write a tweet that didn't fit in the old character count, I'd have to look at it and say, what's essential in this tweet and what's unessential? Like, what can I cut? And I found that my tweets are almost always better forcing myself to cut things. That's right. Um, than being a little more uh, verbose. Like your style, for instance, is always like short little puns as short as you can get them right as sort of short as they can be and i think that's like that's like twitter at its best these really just short uh effective micro blogs right <laughs> that's exactly what it Very is micro blog and i 100 percent agree with you 100 percent agreement right. here you know and, and people you know will retweet these seth abramson threads into my timeline and like <laughs> yeah. r- r- not to say anything about the relative merits of the or importance of those threads i'm just like 
this is Twitter. I don't, I don't want to read all of this. <laughs> That's exactly right. I mean, save it for a read later or put it in your Insta paper or something. All right. Well, thank you for selecting those tweets very much. Great. And everyone should be following at Walrus Lifestyle and at Flora underscore underscore Flora. And now we get into the questions from Twitter. So there's a lot of questions, a lot of great questions. And everyone, if you want to send a question for a future guest, go ahead and follow at FOTSPod on Twitter and send those questions. Now, first, we have a question from previous week's guest at Dave underscore Cactus, another underscore guy. And his, hey. his question for you is, if you were in a car driving the speed of light and you turned on your headlights... Would anything happen? I, uh, uh, it's a real noodle scratcher. I do, well, I, <laughs> you're I smart, but I maybe think, not science smart. <laughs> I, I am, yeah, this is definitely not my thing. Um, but I think, right, because you'd be traveling the same speed as the light from your headlights, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. nobody, like, if someone standing outside the car wouldn't notice a difference like they wouldn't see the headlights because you'd be traveling the same speed yeah they probably wouldn't even see the car (laughs) yeah they wouldn't see the car either but but uh yeah and i hope you're wearing a seatbelt dave if if somebody was outside of your car also traveling the speed of light Ooh. then i i don't i don't know now we're getting i'm not a physicist physicist. and if you were on the edge of a black hole even what would be happening then no i'm just kidding so thank you very much dave and everyone go check out his podcast episode last week and definitely also check him out on making friends with mark mcgark great cactus stories on that one too now we get into the questions submitted on Twitter. First question comes from friend of the show, Numero Uno. I'm talking Jess OK Fine, just the best. Everyone follow Jess at Jess OK Fine. And her questions, which are better, cats or dogs? Or option C, it's a tie. So <laughs> you agonized over this one. I will say, like, certainly I love both cats and dogs, as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Um, I would say if I had to just have one, like if I like had just one pet. Desert Island. <laughs> I would say, well, I would say if it was a Desert Island scenario, I'd probably take a dog. Okay. Because the dog would be more helpful and useful for hunting. Right. So I'm saying, so um, this is a little more of like a, a but I think, house arrest or something. <laughs> right. And it's right. And like a house situation, I would say cat because they're, because they're lower maintenance. Okay. Yeah. With the dogs, I have to like feed them, you know, at specific times I have to let them out, you know, at specific yep. times they'll, they ask to get let out at, at you know, if mm-hmm. they know their schedule and they yeah. start to get antsy. Um, and I of course love my dogs, but, I would say if it just was one, I'd take the cat just because, like, with the cat, I clean his litter box and then put some food in his bowl. I don't think the dogs like their answer. He's fine. (laughs) I can hear some dogs protesting your answer. Yeah, they are are protesting your answer. No, uh, I would say if I just had to have one, it'd be a cat. All right. So there you go, Jess. Uh, Next question comes in from friend of the show, Timmy, at the Timmy Toes. And he asks, what is your favorite length of sock? Well... I guess I wear short socks most of the time, like you know those ankle socks that we like your. <laughs> is that a song? Uh, short shorts, but I change it to socks. Oh, okay. That uh, you know that ideally, like, if you have your shoes on, you shouldn't see the socks. Okay, so you're talking about those ankle socks. Yeah. So like as short as you as like as short as you can get of sock. Right. That's what I wear most of the time. All right. Well, there you go, Timmy. Thank you. For that pressing question. Now, a question from Thomas Brendel at The Solemn Bard. And he has two questions. The first question, what story about robots would be better if some of the characters were secretly robots? What's, and what I, I misspoke miss, uh, on that one. What story without robots would be better if some of the characters were secretly robots? I, it changes the question. <laughs> Okay, but there's a, and there's a part two. Oh, right. So I'll ask the part two as well. Oh, oh, okay. What story with robots would be better if some of the robots were secretly dogs? And and, and the reason I was saying, oh, there's a part two is because I thought about this and I actually answered it with the same thing. Uh, Star Wars, right? Like how, how – for both. Oh, that's great. Like, you know, right? Because, I mean, Star Wars deals with like – there are a lot of droids in Star Wars and there are uh, – 
essentially treated as like these second class citizens. Yeah, it'd like be a, interesting, right? If, like, on the cast, some system. of the characters were secretly droids. Uh, but also, how cool would it be if like R two D two popped his lid open and like uh, <laughs> some like Chihuahuas were in there, like operating some controls. The Taco Bell. Kyokiro Taco Bell dog in there. <laughs> it's like C-3PO is, you know, secretly like three dogs stacked on top of each other. <laughs> Classic. It'd be fantastic. Well, there you go. So Star Wars answer to all your questions. Thank you for that, Thomas. And here we go. The next question comes from Llama in a Tux at Llama in a Tux. And he asks, who would win in a fight between a fighting bot and a raccoon? Now, here's the twist. The raccoon has his orange belt, but the bot is only yellow. I, I'm going to just have to go with <laughs> I'm going to have to just go with the raccoon on that one. They're just so scrappy. They're scrappy. They're, and also, they're, they're ahead in belt status. Yes, and that's true. So, um I, I would definitely have to go with the raccoon. So, two reasons for that one. Thank you for that very interesting question, Llama at Llama Inatux. And now a question from another Ben, or Bun, at Iminmin. <laughs> and the questions. Do robots cry? Can they feel emotion? Are they afraid to die? How do I know I'm not a robot? Also, what is your favorite color? Okay, so I'll start with the favorite color bit first. <laughs> I would say I like the color yellow. Yeah, it's, it's a great an color. interesting um, choice. And interestingly enough, I like... Don't have any like yellow clothes or like, like I'm not. I don't like go out and like get things that are yellow. Right. Like it, it, it's not, not like. But but I always find that it's like a cool or interesting color. When I used to play Halo back in the day, I'd want my Spartan armor to be yellow. I just thought it looked cool. Right. So so I would say yellow uh, and maybe black. I like especially yellow and black together. Black and it's yellow, uh, as great, it were. <laughs> Shout out to Pittsburgh teams. So, so the robots (laughs) to the uh, to those robot questions. So there's a a book called was written in 50 something uh, by a guy named John Cohen called Human Robots and Myth and Science. And what he says is that what distinguishes humans from robots ultimately a is that robots don't laugh, blush or commit suicide. I I'm not totally sure. I agree with him, but that's what he says. I would say that uh, another interesting way to think about that question is, do robots cry? Can they feel emotion? Are they afraid to die? How do I know I'm not a robot? Is if you were a robot, what would you be doing differently? Mm. And the answer is probably nothing, right? Like, because how would you be programmed to not know? Yeah. So what I would say I think my response would be um, to think of robot as having a dual definition, that there is the definition of robot. And if you look it up in a dictionary, this is what you'll find. There's like a dual definition of robot. And I talk about this in the dissertation. But one is it's a machine that appears to move on its own power. And another is that it's a person who appears to who appears to like act in a robot like way. Right. Who maybe doesn't seem to be acting of its own free will. Um, and I use that example when talking about an episode from the Twilight Zone called uh, The Mind and the Matter, where this character named uh, Archibald Beechcroft, he goes to work every day at his like nondescript office job doing nondescript office things. And he just hates it, hates his job. And one day through a series of events, he's given by a coworker a book called uh, The Mind and the Matter, How to Unlock the secret powers of concentration or something like that. And the argument in the book is that if you just concentrate hard enough, you can make anything happen. So what Beechcroft winds up doing is wishing everybody in the world away, makes everybody disappear. And once everybody is gone, he's now like, ah, I'm now free at my job. So he goes to work and he's like, look at how productive I can be because nobody else is around. And he eventually realizes, like, oh, I'm lonely. And so he makes everything back the way it was. But what's fascinating about that is, like, how capitalism has significantly uh, limited the horizon of the imaginable. Um, in the words of, like, Frederick, 
uh, Jameson, well, this sort of paraphrase of Jameson and I guess Slavoj Zizek, that it, it's easier to imagine the end of the world than it is to imagine the end of capitalism. Oh, Zizek. And there's something similar going on here with Archibald Beechcroft, right? It's easier to imagine, right, making everybody in the world disappear than it is to imagine not going to work. And so Archibald Beechcroft, who's obviously a human, right, behaves in a mechanical way, which is to say, goes to work, does the same things every day, does what his boss tells him. And there's a line his boss tells him at one point in, in the episode. This is a Twilight Zone episode. I don't remember if I said that. His boss tells him at one point in the episode, he says, you need to stay healthy, Archibald, because your health is not just important for you, but it's part of your duty to your employer. Mm. And so that you think about like a lot of the like language and rhetoric when we talk about like health um, and how, why it's important to, you know, exercise and eat healthy is in large part because as subjects of capitalism, we need to be able to work at least until you're 65 got to and so 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 my response here right when he says how do i know i'm not a robot is well what would you be doing differently if you were a robot versus if you were a human and and my response is you probably wouldn't be doing anything differently not as a subject of capitalism right you'd be just returning and repeating and doing the same thing anyway Ooh, we got deep on that one so, something for you to think about, Ben. Mm -hmm. Think about it. How do you know? You don't. You just don't. I guess I, and not obviously, like, you're not a robot as in, like, in the Terminator 2, there's that scene where he, the, you know, uh, Schwarzenegger, like, cuts his arm open and peels back the flesh to prove that, like, look, I'm a machine. Yeah. I, I don't mean that we're robots in that sense. No, but you can still fit into that right. dictionary but, def. But, Exactly, that you can fit into that dictionary definition of what a robot is. And I'm, I'm unconvinced that even if we were robots, we would be acting any differently. Dun, dun, dun. Ben, you could be a robot. Sorry, Bal. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for your question. And now a very special write-in question from Tom at Trojan Sauce. Number one, who the hell do you think you are? That... <laughs> You can just uh, laugh it off. He's got a follow-up question. Okay, what's the follow-up question? Mackerel or haddock? Those are fish. Which kind of fish did you do you like? I've never heard of either of those. Like to eat? Yeah, I guess. I don't – well, I don't eat – I mean I don't eat – All right, you're not a pescatarian. Yeah, I'm not. So what are the fish called? Mackerel or haddock? Uh, Clickety-clack. I hear the keys. He's going to find out uh, what the fish are. Yeah, like, I'm going to look to these up. I think, you can, I think you can choose a third option, which is neither. Yeah, I'm going to say neither. I'm just going to decide which one I think looks cooler. Well, I think I like the way that mackerels look. I think they've got, they've got these pretty stripes. Holy mackerel, we got an answer. So okay, go. thank you very much, Tom. <laughs> and everyone go check him out at Trojan Sauce and check out his podcast, Interested in Music. All right. Final questions come in from friend of the show, Rads. I'm talking at Feeling Euphoric. And she asks three questions, and the three questions are thus. Number one, you're given the chance to pet literally any animal in the world without consequence. Which animal do you pet? You know, I, I, I sat down to sort of like think about this one and, and try to come up with a really great answer. But I just wound up going with my gut, and that is uh, a raccoon. I just oh, love raccoons. Yeah. They're really one of the best animals, but I don't want one to like bite my face off. For sure. I'm so sure. <laughs> if I could like just be friends with a raccoon for a day, that would be fantastic. Be pretty cool. And the next best thing is following at uh, Upside Down Trash on Twitter. Shout out to Will. So there you go. Question one. It was raccoon. Question two. Chocolate chip pancakes. Overrated? No, I think that uh, chocolate chip Pancakes, if anything, are underrated. Oh, all right. And the third question You've been told that you're the person to name the next major hurricane. What do you name it? I would name it Hurricane Stan after my dog Stan. Oh, Stan that's is, sweet. Stan is a harmless little boy. And I would hope that by naming the Hurricane Stan, it would infuse it with his 
harmless spirit the and, signature um, personality so that nobody nobody would be hurt it would be it would be yeah it'd be just out to sea it wouldn't hover over land like you know problematic right. hurricanes all right so that is all the questions we've got thank you very much to everyone who has submitted a question and be sure to follow at fots pod on twitter and be sure to send those questions in for the future guests all right now we've had some robot talk but let's wrap it up with talking about your dissertation, you're a PhD of robots. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> you sent me this dissertation uh, for your PhD, and it's called "The Machine Gun Hand: Robots, Performance, and American Ideology in the 20th Century." <laughs> so, first off, I'll say so. My PhD is is not in robots. It is <laughs> um, my PhD is in. I want to make sure that that's clear. My PhD is in theater. Okay, that makes sense um, why it's performance. Yes, yes, my PhD is in theater. But I'm interested in robots as a site of performance for uh, a, a number of reasons. But basically, the dissertation in the dissertation, um, what I argue is that there is, like, like Bun's question, uh, or Ben, the other Ben, right, when he says, how do I know I'm not a robot, is that there's this strong impulse that we have to want to define ourselves as something uh as not that right to reclaim a sense of innate or natural humanity in opposition to this other thing and that there are a lot of films and even plays about this very idea hence why i'm looking at sort of performance as, as an important site to understand robots i'm not interested in like i don't know anything about how robots actually work i mean i couldn't build a robot right i'm not i'm not a right that's not my thing i'm more interested in the the idea of robots as they exist in our imaginations right and so there's this strong impulse to be like i'm not that i'm not a robot but my argument is that that the kind of ideological function of really most narrative generally but robot fiction specifically is to reify or re-entrench capitalism in the imaginative mind so that you look at the robot and you say, okay, robots don't have agency. Robots don't make choices. Robots do the same things every day. I don't do those things. I'm an individual with choice and I have my own mind with ideas and thoughts that spring from my own original self. And as Althusser argues, who's theoretically central to the dissertation, that capitalism wants us to imagine that our so-called worldview is something that springs from our own original thoughts. So that you then quote, choose capitalism as opposed to any other system um, as like a free subject. So that in looking at robot narratives and saying, I'm not that, I'm an individual with agency and choice, that's what the sort of heart of capitalism is wanting us to see ourselves as free individuals, free subjects with choices. And, and of course, under capitalism, the thing we always, quote, choose is capitalism. Um, in, the, in the words of uh, Margaret Thatcher, right, there is no alternative. And so it's difficult to imagine ourselves as having any other political uh, option or alternative so that uh, robot narratives perform this ideological function of uh, reifying capitalism. There you go. Making capitalism seem as not a system that comes from outside of ourselves, but as a natural process that emerges from our own thoughts. Inescapable. Well, I would say that I would say that it is not inescapable, but I would say that a lot of what appears to be resistance is in fact not resistance to capitalism. Oh, I get it. That that capitalism is very very good at taking resistance to capitalism and selling it back to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I mean Walk into Barnes and Noble. You can go buy Das Kapital, right? I mean, it's just for sale right there in the bookstore. Someone posted on Twitter years ago, and I haven't been able to find this tweet since, but it was um, 
in a bookstore. It was a picture of 1984 being, you know, for sale in the bookstore. And he, he, the, his caption was, I don't know why people still, you know, bang on, on about this book. And right underneath the book is a sign that says, uh, this shop is monitored by CCTV. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, capitalism doesn't care, right? They're, they'll, they're very happy to sell you like the revolution it's 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 for sale and so i think there are ways to like resist or think outside of capitalism but most of what appears to be resistance is not so not inescapable but if you're trying to escape you could be doing it wrong right great all right well i think that just about wraps it up you feeling okay you feeling good about it yeah, get all your great. points across good, good conversation great so now to end the podcast i'll play the theme and we'll say our goodbyes. So thank you very much for appearing on the podcast and discussing all the robots. Hey, thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. Great, I'm glad. And everyone, please follow at Benicus underscore Rex on Twitter for all the good stuff. We'll see you next time. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Ben. You may, of course, check him out at Benicus underscore Rex on Twitter. You may also check out at FOTS Pod and do send a question for future guests. On Twitter, I operate under the handle at Skinner Steven. And point that browser at StevenWSkinner.com for all the old episodes. Subscribe and get a new episode automatically every week. And thank you to Kyle I. Davidson for the theme. And thank you to Ruby Coast for the music. And thank you very much for listening. Have a great one.